there's things that are work incredibly well in TV and that haven't been working well for decades, right? So it's not about ripping it all apart and you know saying, oh, we know better from the digital side. Not at all. I think the, the viewership experience, to your point, in TV is actually much nicer than on most websites. For all buyers that I mentioned and for all sellers, as a matter of fact, the, the, the number one thing that can slow the growth of CTV is, is if there's not trust in this marketplace. I'm absolutely 100% convinced that connected TV in the next couple of years in Europe is going to be just as mainstream as it is here in the U.S. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of The Appod. Today I'm joined by Ben Antier, the co-founder and CEO of Publica and Publica are a publisher ad server for CTV. Ben is unbelievably knowledgeable when it comes to CTV, and today I'm really excited to be talking to him all about it. Things from strategy, to technical, to the future, to where things have come from. There is so much to unpack in today's episode, and I know that you'll enjoy it. So, all that leads me to say is, I hope that you enjoy season two, episode eight of the app pod. Hey Ben, welcome to the app pod. How are you doing? Hey Wayne, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, all good. Can't complain. It's a sunny day in New Jersey, so it's nice here. Um, before we get into it, I guess for those who might not know you, would you mind giving us like, a quick intro into your career and then what you do now? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Ben Antier. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Publica. Um, Publica is a connected TV ad server for publishers that we launched um, about six years ago with my two co-founders. Um, the company was acquired by IAS about a year ago now, last summer. And um, my role is to, to continue to, to grow the public a business and um, become the, the leading connected TV ad server in the world. So we've got a, a lot at hand. <laughs> awesome. So today we're talking about connected TV. You are definitely the best person to be speaking to about it. Um, and I guess, I guess for those listening, we hear different types of terms used for connected TV, OTT, advanced TV, you know, all these sorts of terms. I yeah. guess if we strip it all back, let's start with definition. Um, sure. What is connected TV? Yeah, so that, that's actually, I think, a pretty simple answer. It's any TV that's connected to the internet, right? That's how I define it. So you can break it down. You've got the, the smart TVs, right? Like the Samsung and LG and Vizio, where you literally connect them to your Wi-Fi, right? And boom, you've connected your TV. Um, you've got the the um, what some people call the dongles or you know the the devices that you plug into the TV and connect themselves to the internet. So that's Roku, Fire Stick, Apple TV, Android TV, right? All of those those um, environments. And then you've got also some game consoles uh, like like PlayStation, namely um, Xbox. Actually, very interestingly, did a, announced a partnership with Samsung where. You're not even going to need the console anymore. You're going to be able to play directly from the TV, which shows 
you know, the importance of, of what you can do once you've got a TV that's connected to the internet and has very, very fast, um, high speed uh, bandwidth connections that, that, you know, opens up a lot of possibilities. So um, yeah, those are the main categories. And then you can add some set top boxes that you connect to, to the internet as well. Um, but basically anything that's not cable or satellite um, and that's going through through an internet connection. Cool, that makes sense. Um, and given there's you know, a fair bit of fragmentation, I guess, across those different types of devices and ways they might be connected to the internet, does that, does that sort of tailor the types of ad formats you can buy? So kind of what connected TV ad formats are there? Yeah, so if you turn on your TV today and you have, you know, either a TV that's connected directly or, or um, a Roku or, or Amazon Fire Stick, I think people now know what, what we're talking about. A few years ago when we were talking about that, most people, and interestingly, a lot of people in the advertising space had no idea, right? And, and I mean, that's fair. It's, you know, when you're testing on a browser, anybody can open a website and, and see what the experience looks like. You, you might not be able to just go buy a Samsung TV and, and you know, test it out for yourself. So, so that was really the, the, the problem we were facing. I think now it's become so mainstream, particularly in the U.S., that, that people know, right? So, um, but if you turn on a device, you'll see usually the, the, the first ads you see are, um, the on on the home screen, right? Advertising for content. It's usually going to be you know a show that's going to buy a, a mass head placement or, or or some display unit that is basically guiding the viewer towards a particular piece of content. Um, that's the first format you see. But actually, where the money really is made is in the the linear unit. So once you've you know clicked on a a, a video, whether it's a movie, a show. Uh, could be just even a YouTube video, right? Um, that's where you get an in-stream ad. And that's where 99% of the revenues made is in those in-stream units, um, particularly in live environment. That's the big thing about television is, you know, whereas on the web, you had a lot of VOD consumption, um, consumption of live content on CTV is massive. And and actually the ad frequency in live TV is is higher as well. So, so it, that's why it's such a, an interesting environment for for buyers to to look at because you you've got people that are very engaged into live content and that are getting a lot of ads right so um so that, those are the main formats then you've got some non-linear units so things like pause ads you know things that happen when you're when outside of the stream um and and that's something that's i think fascinating right now it's it's a bit early days for those formats uh particularly things like picture in picture um, you know, you've got companies that that now go in and, and insert logos into into shows. You know, replace a, a car logo or a logo on a bottle. I mean, there's there's a lot of of cool things that are being done. Um, I think the challenge there for now is the scalability of, and the the standardization behind it, right? So we we we're we're not quite all in agreement yet on how to buy these units. But as a result, even if they're they're quite good and 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 deliver good ROI, I think the challenge as an industry is to make sure we've got particularly the programmatic standards to to buy them at scale. Yeah, that yeah, totally agree. And it's quite interesting with TV because if you look at uh, some digital publishers, the way that they've made their user experience with ads is can be pretty terrible. You know, you get twenty five hours on the page, some by the default. TV, the experience is very immersive and the co oftentimes the 
the cost of the content or the quality of the content is really high. So you don't want to you know, degrade that. So getting these formats right uh, in connected TV, which I think Linear had done for a long time, had kept it very sort of standardized and simple. I, yeah. think, it's gonna be, I think it's going to be really important for the, the way sort of CTV moves forward. Absolutely. And something I say all the time is it, you know, there's things that are work incredibly well in TV and that haven't been working well for decades. Right. So it's not about ripping it all apart and, you know, saying, oh, we know better from the digital side. Not at all. I think the, the viewership experience to your point in TV is actually much nicer than on most websites today. Right. So it's more about taking that and bringing it into the the 21st century, right? And 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 having all of our, um, you know, the all, all of the tools that we have at our disposal today to target, to measure, you know, making sure all that works in the, in these uh, in these environments. But I think the formats aren't really going to change too much because because they're they're working really well. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that leads nicely into the next question. Is often I imagine. People talk about so in digital, I could have done cookie-based targeting, or I can do like AI-driven custom bidding, or you know, mm-hmm. lots of different types of targeting. And uh, I think sometimes some buyers are a bit hung up on that. Whereas connected TV is very different. So I guess what types of targeting is available in connected TV? So one of the things we've done at, at Publica is is to make sure that connected TV fits into the standards that that buyers know and understand. And one of those very important standards is open RTV. So uh, when we built our ad server, the first thing we did was to say, okay, when we connect to any buyer, we want to be able to connect through open RTV because that creates a standard of what parameters are passed, how they're passed, what can be targeted ultimately, right? And so if you look at that standard, all of, all of those fields are now available in connected TV. So obviously basic things like, you know, IP, which, which gives you geo location, um, device level information around, you know, is it a smart TV? Is it a game console? Um, things like that. Uh, even device ID is actually one of the most important parameters because one of the big differences in, in CTV compared to the web is that there's no cookies, there are no Java, there's no JavaScript. So you're, you're, you can't um, just deliver code on the TV and start collecting all sorts of data. So you're really reliant on the, the data you're receiving in that server side request. Um, and one of the good things is device IDs are consistent. So, so if you if you want to you know partner with a, a third party to bring in your first party data, for example, you're going to be using the device ID most likely um, to, to target. So device level information is very important. App level information, right? Which app am I on? The, the CTV is a is an app based ecosystem. So you you go into an app store and you download the Paramount app, the you know samsung tv plus app whatever application you want to watch your content into so having that information the bid request is very important and then we get to um the the content itself obviously massive i think one of the biggest challenges still today is for buyers at least is is having the visibility into the content they're buying and maybe we can talk about why later but this is a challenge but in, in traditional TV, they're certainly used to knowing which shows they run against. And sometimes these shows aren't being passed in the bid request. So you can't target them this as efficiently in CTV. So that's one of the one of the challenges I think today for, for the buyers that 
are mitigated in, in various ways. But um, yeah, th- I think that covers pretty much all the, the key signals. So basically everything you need to do contextual and, and audience-based targeting uh, is, is available today in CTV. Cool. And I guess on that, I hear this a bit in trade press is around uh, frequency capping and connected TV and how to manage, you know, the not having the same same company's ad run through a whole ad break or through the, a lot through one show. Um, is frequency capping in CTV an, an issue? And if it is, can it be solved? Of course. So, yes, it's still an issue, um, which, which I think, you know, for me as a, a product person and tech person, that's that's a good thing. We've got, we, you know, we've got... Um, solutions to to bring to to the market because you still see you know over frequency ads when whenever you watch a um an, an ad supported show on ctv most users will will complain about the the amount of times they see the same ad right so few reasons for that um initially when when this started you only had a few direct campaigns running so it was pretty simple to 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 separate them but because you also have only a few campaigns you're going to end up serving the same ads you know frequently so there was control over that and 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 the problem was kind of to say okay well we just have to bring in more demand more ads to choose from and and that's going to help us with this frequency problem when publishers started leaning into the programmatic space which is now most of the the ad spend in in ctv um, you certainly had a lot more buyers. So today uh, on a platform like public, I think we're, we're in the, um, 400 or 500,000 different advertisers every single day run, running on, or sorry, every single month running on, on CTV. So it's, it's a lot of, a lot of creatives that are running. Um, well, that's where you start to have to really know which ad is coming back at a given time if you're going to be able to not only deduplicate at the pod level but also at the session level and the first problem that people were running into is open rtb was not designed for an ad break so it's really good at sending a, a, re- a bid request saying hey i need an ad and getting an ad back but it's very bad or it was very bad at saying hey i, I have a two minute break coming up right and what what ads can you give me to fit into that break and so until we had, so th- this came with OpenRTB 2.6, which we're now really trying to get everybody to, to implement because it's a it's a very important update for, for our industry. Um, but before that, you basically had buyers that were getting you know, a request for, for maybe one ad slot in, in, in the break. So if in a two minute break, if you accept 15 second ads, that could be eight slots, right? So you, you had buyers that were returning the same ad eight times and then if you don't have the right deduplication system in your ad server, you're going to end up running those ads eight times, right, in the ad break. So that's why you're getting that experience is because the, the buyers have no idea they're even bidding on the same break to begin with. Um, so I think we're getting better at that. And then, you know, you've got tools now for, for publishers to, to manage, the, to recognize that the same ad is coming from, from different sources and to deduplicate around that. Um, the innovation that we've been working on over the past couple of years has really been at this at the session level. We figured out the ad break. Now it's okay. How do I optimize at the session level? And to do that, you have to have a little bit more intelligence in your system around um, you know, storing the ads that have been delivered at, at a session. And before you make a decision 
for the next ad break, look back and see, okay, what did I serve five minutes ago? And what does that allow me to serve now, right? So having that in your auction resolution um, logic, that's the, that's the part that, that we've added, which I think is, is very important because you're you know looking at the ad break level is good, but at the end of the day, if you're getting the same Toyota ad at every single break, it's, it's driving you nuts as well. Yeah, yeah, 100% the user experience. As we were saying earlier, it can be then sort of sacrificed. And I guess, I guess because the CTV CPM is a bit higher, and um, I guess uh, the, the in like regular digital display, it was almost like whoever's going to pay highest, I don't care if it's like the 74th time that person sees them today, they're going to pay $3.05 versus $3. So we'll take the money. Well, I right. feel like, and this might just be a misconception, but I feel like uh, CTV publishers or, or TV, et cetera, is more considerate of not just taking the short-term yield increments, but really thinking about user experience. Absolutely. And, and you have to remember that a, a lot of the premium inventory is a mix of, of um, ad-supported and subscription too, right? So you've got people that are paying a, quite a bit of money to, to get access to this content. So they don't want a crappy ad experience. So it's, it's very important. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a good thing because ultimately for, for that helps the advertisers as well, right? If, if, if you're looking at the return on ad spend, um, delivering a very high quality ad experience will, will at the end of the day, reflect itself in the amount of sales you know, the advertiser is going to make. Yeah, for sure. And um, you mentioned the sort of open RTB 2.6 as the update. What are the key things in that, like in relation to CTB, that's important? Yeah, so big one is the logic of pods. That's that's huge. It's number one. One of the, the features I really liked in it was um, the, the ability to create uh, floors per second as well. One of the things we've really try to also educate the 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 industry about is in ctv that you have to think at, at a on a time on a duration basis right because a, a 30 second ad slot is not worth the same as a 15 second slot and although you could call them one impression or one slot i think it's it's very important for the publishers to start thinking okay what's my floor per second and how can a buyer also integrate that in their in their bidding logic so that's an that's an innovation that's part of the the 2.6 spec that I think is very important for, for our ecosystem to, to adopt. And we're not quite there yet. Not a lot of buyers are, are adopting it, but um, I think it's coming. It just, it, it does take some change in your bidding algorithm and your you know, flooring algorithm. So it's not, it's not trivial, but at least now we've got a good standard for it. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so awesome. And it actually leads quite nicely to my next question around like publisher monetization. So and we've already mentioned subscription, programmatic, direct, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, how do you, how do publishers monetize all of this inventory? Yeah, well, so maybe to, to I'll get to how they monetize it today, but just to look back, you know, historically, when the first connected TV apps came out, the, the way it was done is basically the, the linear feed, so the feed from the, the cable TV was being sent to the IP device, and basically you were getting the same ads as you were getting on on linear and satellite but the the publishers weren't getting paid at all for it because there was no way to track it so you were just giving free airspace kind of throwing it into your 
you know, as a favor to your advertisers here, we're going to give you some, some CTV impressions in there. Can't really measure them anyways. So we'll just throw it in. Um, then you got the realization from publishers, like, hold on, this is a worth a lot of money. You know, now you've got more viewers on CTV than on, on cable. So if you're giving a free lunch to more than half of your customers at some point, you're, you know, your restaurant is not going to do too well. So then we, we saw slates appear and that's where really I started looking at, at, at this space. It was about four or five years ago. Um, every time you'd watch a basketball game, a, a baseball game during the ad break, you'd see commercial break in progress. And, you know, it could be the, the finals of the, the, the NBA finals, whatever, how big the, the, the event was, you'd get these slates. And I was just like, this is so much money that is just being not, you know, left on the table by everybody here. What are we doing? Yeah, and I still I still see those. And I you still see them, right? It's, it's, ESPN, it's like, it's crazy. I'm sat there, like, show me an ad. Yeah, as an ad person, you're like, wow, that's, that's fascinating. So, so, so that was, and you know, the the intermediary. Then you, you once you've had, once publishers were able to have, you know, proper technologies like server side ad insertion, connected CV ad serving, started getting direct ads in there, and then programmatic came in. Um, today, the reality is, um, so the majority of the spend is programmatic. Obviously, it depends, you know. A company like NBC will have a lot more direct sold than than companies that are programmatic first in their approach. Some of the newer players like Samsung, Roku, um, you know, people like that. Um, but uh, yeah, today overall, the majority of the spend comes from programmatic, and and basically all of the programmatic spend is PMP based. So it's it's private marketplaces that are set up where you know buyer chooses, hey, I want to target specifically. Hulu, Philo, Zumo, you know, they, they, they choose a list, they set up a PMP and they target it that way. So, so that's how it's sold today. I think that the next iteration of that is the unified auction, the true unified auction between campaign and, and programmatic where a PG deal that you, you sell, you know, to trade desk, if it's $50 higher than a campaign you sold directly, that should win, right? And and today, most stat servers aren't really designed to, to, to handle things that way. So it's it's really about creating true competition, no matter what the sales channel is. If I have a commitment from a brand, you know, I, I, I need to make sure I deliver that ad. And then I think that the, the further iteration of that is, um, I'm a big believer that as we secure the marketplace, as we make it more transparent, um, as, as the, you know, the, we get rid of the, the spoofing and the reselling and, and all the things that, that, that can happen, we're going to see more open auction transactions, right? More just here's a bid request, here's a bid response. I don't have to first go in and agree on a PMP, a floor, a site list. I'm going to have all of that in my in my bidding algorithm on one side and my selling algorithm on the other. So I do think, you know, that's that's how you get to the most efficient um, setup for for both sides. Um, and, um, and and I think that, you know, just from a the marketplace perspective, that that's what's going to create the most value. Yeah, I I love that. It's like price equilibrium where the supply and demand meets and there's a price which adds value either way. And you have rules around it where there are flaws and so you don't really lose out but um yeah it's fascinating to see it's just fascinating to see the evolution of pricing in ctv given how a like, traditional tv buying was bought and sold and you compare it to how sort of display mobile is bought and sold and now 
kind of trying to find what's right for CTV. I find that kind of uh, evolution just super interesting. It really is, yes. And and it's it, I think it's similar to what happened in mobile in, in many ways. Um, I'd say maybe a, from the advertising perspective at an even, even did bigger scale because, I mean, today, I mean, I, I, my personal experience is if I spend, you know, two hours on my phone, I'm not going to feel that great about it, right? I'm going to end my session. I'm going to say, oh, that was, so all the ads that I saw in that experiment, you know, in that experience are going to end up with that feeling at the end of the day. When I spend two hours watching a, a show on Paramount Plus, I feel awesome. You know, usually, I mean, the quality of the content, the quality of the screens, you know, the the fact that you can share it with people. I mean, there's just, it's, it's. I think from a from a user perspective, it's 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 an even more positive experience, and and of course that translates into the the advertising space. Yeah, and one of the observations I get is obviously I'm a British person based in New Jersey now. And whenever you see people talk about CTV and speak to my UK friends, they're like, oh, not really a thing here. And then in the US, it's like every meeting I have, it's like within the first 10 minutes, CTV is mentioned. <laughs> so like yeah. very interested to get your perspective on like how is CTV like being perceived or the differences kind of around the world? Yeah, so I, I don't know if I know, you know, everything about every country in the world. I certainly know quite a bit about how the European market's evolving. Um, I think, well, one thing that's for sure is streaming is a worldwide phenomenon, right? Whether you're streaming on your phone or on your desktop or on your TV, um, you know, that's how people are consuming content. Um, they're everywhere. Maybe the, the type of content they consume varies a little bit, but but it's usually very high quality video streaming um and 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 that's why you know phones are getting better and 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 internet speeds are getting faster and and all of that right now on the the connected tv aspect in particular so it's interesting because in europe i hear that too i hear that all the time people are saying yeah it's not there yet and then when i go to my friend's house i'm like wait this is a samsung tv you've got here have you ever connected it to the internet oh no because i have a a set top box right so so it's interesting because the penetration is already there there are hundreds of millions of connected tvs in europe the usage sometimes is still going through the the cable boxes and, and the reason why my understanding at least is there are very uh, Appealing bundle offers from internet providers to pro to provide internet and TV packages, and TV is a, is so discounted in that in those packages that users are basically just buy their internet box and they just plug it in and oh I've got the TV with it so great you know the, the TV program so they kind of stop there, but what happened here and what is happening today in Europe is you've got some smart internet providers that are starting to say hold on I can I can just give internet without tv make that you know just a few dollars cheaper euros or pounds cheaper and and that's all people care about is if i can save some money and get a maybe a better internet because they're, they're specialized in that i'll absolutely do that and once you do that you realize well hold on my tv i can just connect to my wi-fi and get more shows you know better better experience because the uis are, are pretty damn good like when you look at the UI of these TVs versus the UIs of the, the traditional, you know, telco set top boxes. It's usually in favor of the, of the, you know, smart TV that's, that's brand new and 
where there's n- hundreds of millions of investment in, in all that. So it's um, I think that's the switch that's happening right now in Europe is people are starting to realize I can I can get an Internet access for cheaper. And in doing so, I'm, I'm, I'm not losing access to all my streaming. And quite to the contrary, I'm actually getting more optionality um, and, and a better user experience. So I'm absolutely 100% convinced that connected TV in the next couple of years in Europe is going to be just as mainstream as it is here in the US. Yeah, I love it. I love the, the competition that creates behind content and you know, trying to create the best content to attract the biggest audiences and seeing um, things like Peacock launch in the UK, like you don't have to, you can start competing with the incumbents there and that just creates better content and, and better engagement for users, I think. So I find the sort of content distribution, there's tons of amazing content and being able to access that without having to go through one provider or two providers is um, who sort of monopolize the market is uh, which connected TV facilitates is amazing. I completely agree. I'm mind blown by the quality of the content that's being produced these days. Um, and by not just by, you know, you, you could argue, you know, Netflix was, was kind of dominating. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's just Netflix. Now there's many, many companies that are producing very high quality content. The, the only problem is we don't have enough time to watch it all, but yeah, <laughs> I don't so have a solution true. for that yet. <laughs> so true. Um, so obviously so far it's CTV is incredible. Uh, it's really evolved, uh, lots of optionality for buyers, uh, great for the user. Um, there must be some barriers like for, from an advertiser perspective, um, what might those be for an advertiser to sort of invest into CTV? So I think advertisers you know i've learned a lot from that side of the industry over the past year since having been acquired by IAS. historically publica was i mean we're still our 100 focused on on publishers so it's it's been very new for me to hear well what what are buyers looking for you know why aren't they spending all their money on this thing if it's this great um, I think that it's very basic needs, which again, I, I when I hear these these um, questions from the buy side, I, I, I feel very uh, very good about them because I think we've got answers for them. So the the, the main thing is transparency, right? I want to know where I'm running ads um, when I used to buy TV. So you've got three types of buyers, right? You've got buyers that have been buying TV for decades. You've got digital buyers that maybe have never bought CV and see CTV as a way to enter into it, especially the long tail, because it used to be, you know, you'd have to spend at least a million dollars to run a campaign on TV. Today, you can set up a, a you know, PMP and, and spend 10K and, and get some CTV ads. So it's, you know, opening up to the long tail. And then I, I'd argue that one of the really interesting types of buyers, the social buyers, people that have been leaning in so much on social media over the past decade, and they're starting to realize, wow, if I if I can have similar targeting, similar measurement, I'm going to be reaching people on the, the biggest screen of the house in front of the best content as opposed to a news feed in, in a small phone. So, so I think that's another type. So each buyer has you know, different requirements, but I think for TV buyers, number one is transparency. I, I can't buy if I don't know which show I'm running on. That's that's how I've always bought. So I think we're we're getting there. There are some some reasons why it's it's hard to do, in particular inventory shares. So so the way that the the 
CTV agreements are done is if you are um, you know a, a virtual MVP, so an application that has a bunch of channels on it. So you know the popular ones are Pluto, Samsung TV Plus, the Roku channel. Um, you're you've got inventory split agreements. So Samsung is going to monetize part of the inventory, and then maybe Paramount is going to monetize their share of the inventory, right? Um, and in those cases, you might not be allowed as, as one of the sellers to, to share the content level data in, in those agreements because that would create sales channel conflict. So sometimes it's a very good reason why, why the show can't be shared. Sometimes it's just signals get lost in the, in the back and forth between all the, the servers involved. Um, but I think in general, you know, there's there's solutions for that. Some some of them are, for example, post bid transparency. So if I can't know in real time, at least tell me after the fact where I ran, right? So thing, things like that that people are becoming more and more comfortable with. Um, so so that's that's for the TV buyers. For the the digital buyers, I think it's probably more about um, targeting and measurement. So being able to target, you know, the same way I'm used to targeting on the web. So audiences, contextual targeting, um, but also measurement. I want to know is my ad, you know, things like in view, for example, will matter for, for a lot for these buyers. Um, and historically, I always thought, well, that's a silly question, you know, viewability and CTV. I mean, what, why, why do we care? Um, but actually, you know, the the TV off um, thing that's been coming up recently shows that well, no, there is a viewability component to it. Is TV's off um, and the ads running, it's not being viewed. So, so actually, the, these are very real problems. And um, the the um, open measurement SDK for CTV, I think, is going to be a really important uh, step in in getting more measurement for those buyers. Um, and then I think for the social buyers, it's really about people-based marketing, right? It's uh, what, what Instagram and Facebook and, and TikTok are, are really good at is, is helping you target people. And I think in CTV, we're, we've got that, the, the possibility to do that. We've got everything we need to, to, to do that. Um, but, you know, because it's not a wild garden, it's an open ecosystem. You've got to have a lot of collaboration within that ecosystem to, to, to make that work. Um, and, and I think we're progressing nicely on that journey. Yeah, that's great. And it's um I, I like the way you sort of separate the different types of buyers because they would all approach it in a different way. And that's often like not this that's not CTV's problem. It's just the way the they're constructed and whether they have an agency or don't have an agency or where does Absolutely. the team where, where does the team actually exist within the agency? Is it a digital team, TV team? And um, exactly. It's very interesting how those types of buyers sort of shake out. And one of the barriers that I think sometimes comes up and particularly gets called out in trade press by people who maybe, you know, not the most optimistic about life is, uh, is ad fraud. Yeah. And uh, I know like some of these companies, like Ford Logic said in Q1 that about 17% of CTV inventory was extreme risk or fraudulent. Um, I know these numbers will vary depending on the provider, the methodology, and oftentimes that's not very transparent. Um, but in your opinion, how big an issue is fraud in CTV and will it be a, an ongoing potential barrier and battle? So I think it's a very important topic because it's one of the key um, objectives that we have as an industry right now is to increase trust, right? You, for all buyers that I mentioned and for all sellers, as a matter of fact, 
the 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 number one thing that can slow the growth of CTV is is if there's not trust in this marketplace, right? And to for very good reasons, you don't want to buy anything if you can't trust it. So so trust is very important. So understanding fraud is very important. You know, not just discarding that kind of number and saying, oh no, that can't be right. Although the fact is that most of the time it's about wrong signals coming through, right? It's about a bid request that doesn't have a user agent or an impression pixel that doesn't have an, an IP in the XFF header. It's it most of the time it is a technical issue. And I think that's that's what most publishers are are, are frustrated by is you hear all these things, but the actual methodology and how how things are are measured and tracked are are, are very opaque. So one of the things we've, we've done, for example, at the IES public level is making sure that we give publishers insights into fraud, you know, IVT, viewability, everything that IES can track. Now publishers can set alerts and monitors on all these things so that they can be the first to know. And most of the time it's, oh, my... And I made an update to my app and I and the user agent got truncated. So now it's being detected as a wrong user agent, right? It's it's not it's not that a bot farm just popped up and you've got a thousand of devices running in the background, right? So so that's really the number one effort is just making sure we're giving signals to the people who can do something about it. Um, and then really there's there's I think three three parts of the value chain that we have to secure and, and get better at securing. Um, one is the, the device authentication. So because we're in a server to server context, the, the, we don't, you know, I was saying earlier, we can't, a buyer can't just run a JavaScript and, and measure what they need to measure on a, on a page, like it works in the web. So you're reliant on the signals you're getting server side. So the first hop you got to secure is the hop from the device to that first server. Because if for whatever reason a fraudster is able to spoof that, then everyone downstream is 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 going to get screwed because they're they're now relying on fraudulent signals. So we're we've got a big initiative with the IAB right now on um, device authentication. I'm hoping we we get those um, that that draft out this year. Uh, it takes collaboration because it's you got to work with you know Samsung, LG, Vizio, Roku, Amazon. Like, there's a lot of companies that have to get together to do this, but I think it's very important. Um, the second one is the the what, what we call SSAI spoofing. So in a in an SSAI context, um, the the server side ad insertion solution is the one that is basically feeding the content to the device, looking for ad markers, and when an ad break is about to occur make an ad request, get all the ads back, insert them into the stream. That's a very critical server and one that it can actually create a lot of fraud issues if it's, if it's whether intentional or not, right? So I think it's as we move from a client-side ad insertion world to a, a server-side ad insertion world, securing the SSAI point is incredibly important. And we actually released a spec on that last year um, today, public is the only SSAI to adopt it, so we've got to we've got to do a little bit of work on the SSAI front to get it adopted. But um, but I think it's it's crucial because it's a, it's an important part of the chain. And then the the last part is on the the um, the actual uh, bid request response or the, the 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 programmatic side of it, making sure that there is a a very secure way to identify bid requests that might have been tampered with or changed. You know, there's there is a lot of reselling happening in this marketplace today. I think as we get to, to more transparent marketplace, that's 
100% going to go away. But the reality is today, there's still a lot of reselling. And in doing so, it's it's relatively easier for a fraudulent um, entity to come in and you know change parameters and 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 do all sorts of things that that create fraudulent problems in the in in downstream. So that, uh, there's also an initiative with the IAB right now on securing the the connections uh, between servers and basically adding cryptographic security so so keys that show hey this is what the bid request looked like when i received it this is the one that i sent right and and if everybody's held accountable for what they're doing then that's that's an easy problem to solve so so again industry collaboration is very important uh something we take very very seriously because at the end of the day if, if you if you don't have trust you you can't realize the the full potential of a of a programmatic ecosystem yeah, 100%. And given the sort of projected spends that go into it, of course, that would attract the eyes of people in the world who want to siphon that out for whatever reasons. And to solve for that, you can only, I think that can only be done through industry collaboration. So it's fantastic to hear that there are technical specs and mindsets and ways of working to try and make sure that the money goes into the right hands. And, uh, yeah, I think more often than not, it's quite a technical solution that's required. Requires. Yeah, for fraud, it has to be, right? Because there's, there's unfortunately, people on the other side that are technical and that are figuring out, you know, um, angles to, to attack this this marketplace. So so it's got to be bringing together very smart technical people and, um, and letting them, you know, suggest the right approaches, then coming maybe to compromise if if needed or or synthesis where you know there's multiple companies that that weigh in to to make the standards evolve but but it's certainly a, a technical solution that's awesome um i guess just sort of changing pace slightly thinking you know as you sort of think out to sort of the future of ctv um and you mentioned about open auctions and unified auctions being one area but what other sorts of things do you sort of see coming and sort of down the line? So I think um, more programmatic, exactly more more security, more um, um, transparency. That all those things are are going to 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 continue to to be more and more important. So that that's for sure happening. I think we're going to see some standardized nonlinear formats. So you know, pictures and picture and, and, and things like that for sure are going to come just similar to, you know, when we, when mobile came out, um, things like in read and, you know, an article, like some of these formats became huge because they're so well adapted to the medium they're on. And, and, you know, the, the, for the advertisers to work really well, for the users, they're not in, intrusive. So it's so I think we're going to go through that same motion of having these these types of new units become standards, and then everybody's going to be doing the you know using them, and 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 I think that's going to be a good thing. So it's going to be interesting to see which ones win. Frankly, I'm I'm not sure yet. Our view as an, an ad server is we want to support all of them, and then whichever one becomes the the most uh, influent, then great. You know, our, our publishers will be able to, to benefit from. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's another key evolution. I think from a viewing perspective, you know, we're not going to go backwards. People are going to keep watching TV. I think there, there's certainly going to be consolidation, right? We see it from a from an offering standpoint. I think right now we've got a, a lot of, of, of offers uh, for, for 
uh, users. And, and I think that's probably going to get consolidated a little bit, but, but I think we're going to end up in a, in a dynamic marketplace where, you know, there's going to be great content, whatever your passions and interests are. And, and there's going to, there are going to be companies that are specialized in producing those, those types of um, shows. So I think it's uh it's going to be, uh, yeah, a very exciting few years ahead of us as a, and, and of course, going international. I think the, the model we're seeing in, in the U.S. is uh, is not going to just uh, stop at the, the U.S. borders. It's going to take over the world. That's awesome. And yeah, it's very exciting to see. And I, whenever I um, talk to friends and family about what I've done historically, and they always go, oh, is it Google search? Is it on Facebook? And it's like, now it's all about doing it in TV. It's like, you sort of a quasi TV buyer in a way, and uh, I find like just how to have the evolution of it is just truly fascinating. How the screens being used and how audiences are changing behaviour. So, yeah, it's a really great time. And uh, for I mean, for everyone listening, hopefully they've got a lot out of this conversation. And if they wanted to find out more from you, like where, where's base where's base place for to find that. So on LinkedIn, I think is a, a great way. Feel free to shoot me a message. I'm always happy to talk uh, to anyone who about solutions and you know things we could be doing differently or better. And I'm I'm very passionate about this space. And and um, I think we've got a, a a shot right now to to do things right. So anybody who's interested in in geeking out about what what we can do in CTV, um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and let's have a chat. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Ben, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks for having me.